Hello everyone and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, a weekly way of expanding your brain six refreshing facts at a time. It's been a bit. I actually recently moved into a new home and that is an exhausting process. But Six Pack of Facts is back on track now, so let's dig into our topics for the week. One famous core, another thing with a core of its own. Okay, so the connection is a stretch, but it's still fun, right? It's time for Earth's Core and Cherries. When the Earth formed about four and a half billion years ago, there wasn't a ton of geographical variation. There wasn't any, actually. The planet was just one big ball of molten rock. Then, radioactive decay from the planetary formation made Earth get even hotter. And after about 500 million years, the temperature hit a critical point in our planet's formation. The melting point of iron. This point, dubbed the Iron Catastrophe, allowed quicker movement of the planet's molten material, causing silicates, water, and air to stay near the exterior, the mantle and the crust, and the other heavier metals moved toward the center of the Earth, becoming the core. This was the planetary differentiation needed to create the layers and even surface we know now. So now that the core is formed in the timeline, let's peel back the crust and the mantle and dive into its two parts, the inner and outer core. The Earth's outer core is a bit more than 1,300 miles thick and is made up of mostly liquid iron and nickel. To maintain that fluidity, the outer core's temperatures need to be very hot. It ranges from 4,500 to 5,500 degrees Celsius. The flow of the outer core's material is what creates Earth's magnetic field, but we'll get to that in a minute. The Earth's inner core is made up of mostly iron too, but this material is much different than the outer core's makeup. Although the inner core's temperature is well over the melting point of iron, about 5200 degrees Celsius, the immense pressure prevents melting. 3.6 million atmospheres of pressure push down on the inner core, preventing the iron atoms from becoming liquid. Some scientists refer to the inner core as a plasma behaving as a liquid. As the planet cools, Outer sections of the inner core slowly, very slowly, solidify at a rate of around one millimeter every year. But don't worry, we're in no danger of the core completely freezing over. That'll take about 91 billion years, roughly 86 billion years after the sun burns out. So yeah, not a concern. The Earth's magnetic field is a huge reason why we're all alive and kicking. It shields us from the charged particles of the solar wind which, without our great magnetic protector, would strip away the ozone layer and leave Earth a sitting duck for ultraviolet rays. And we have the outer core to thank for that magnetic field. The outer core is a geodynamo, and a very good one at that. For a geodynamo to work properly, a planet must rotate, have a fluid medium at its core that is able to conduct electricity and have an internal energy supply that drives convection. Check, 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 and check. At certain points during the Earth's life, the movements of the outer core cause the magnetic poles to
to completely switch places, north to south, south to north. These geomagnetic pole reversals happen every 200 to 300,000 years. But despite what Hollywood has shown, reversals don't result in doomsday scenarios. From the unbelievably hot and thankfully magnetic to the sweet, tart, and legend-inspiring, let's talk cherries. Cherries most likely originated in the Caucasus Mountains, stretching between the Black and Caspian Seas, and were spread west thanks to seed-carrying birds. The first written description of a cherry dates back to about 2,300 years, to Theopardus, a Greek plant biologist. From the Greeks, the Romans caught cherry fever, and even thought the fruit to be a crucial part of a Roman soldier's diet. As the Roman armies traveled, soldiers would discard their cherry seeds, leading to an increased spread of the plant across the empire. Much later in the 1600s, Europeans arrived in North America with cherries in hand. But that doesn't mean there weren't some cherry varieties already growing. Choke cherries were commonly used in the plains as an ingredient in pemmican, a mixture of tallow, dried meat, and berries, kind of like a super early energy bar for the indigenous tribes. And black cherries were used to make the American twist on cherry bounce, an 18th and 19th century cordial. The maraschino cherries found topping sundaes or floating in Shirley temples are not the original maraschino cherries. In 1812, Giolormo Luxardo founded the Luxardo Distillery on the coast of present-day Croatia. Its claim to fame was a cherry liqueur called maraschino, made from marasca cherries and distilling the leaves, stems, pits, and skins of the fruits. In 1905, the company began selling the cherries candied in a syrup made from the marasca cherry juice and sugar. Boom, the original maraschino cherry. The brilliantly red maraschino cherries that are more common in the United States are made with a slightly different process. During Prohibition, a horticulturist named Ernest Wiegand developed a maraschino method using brine, calcium salts, and sweet American Royal Anne cherries. Throwing some almond flavoring and red dye, the cherries are robbed of their natural color thanks to the brine, and you have the ruby red maraschino cherries many know today. Lastly, a bit of American folklore involving cherries. We've all heard the legend of George Washington and the cherry tree. As a young lad, little George hacked down a cherry tree. And when his father asked him if he was indeed the axe man, he declared, I cannot tell a lie. I did cut it with my hatchet. So honest. So American. So not true. The entire story was invented by one of Washington's first biographers named Mason Locke Weems. When he pitched his biography to a publisher, Weems wrote, Washington, you know, is gone. Millions are gaping to read something about him. My plan. I give his history sufficiently minute. I then go on to show that his unparalleled rise and elevation were due to his great virtues. The cherry tree legend went on to have many iterations over the years including a prominent spot in a P.T. Barnum sideshow in 1835 that featured Joyce Heth. Heth was allegedly an enslaved woman who raised George Washington. It was all very convincing. 
She told stories of her time with young George to crowds, including the story of the cherry tree. This, of course, wasn't true. She would have been 161 years old, but it goes to show that the cherry tree legend had become almost accepted as truth, even at that time. And there you have it, the magnetism magic of the Earth's core and the tart, red, beautiful, and sometimes narratively dubious cherries. It is good to be back after a few weeks. Six Pack of Facts is extremely fun to do, and I thank every single one of you for listening every week. It means a lot. Until next time, as always, stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then, share the show with a friend. The more the factier. Stay thirsty.